The Metropolitan Opera Guild is the premier arts education organization dedicated to enriching the lives of children and adults through the magic and artistry of opera. To learn more about the Guild's many exciting programs and events, please visit metguild.org. everyone, and welcome to the Metropolitan Opera Guild podcast. I'm your host, Naomi Baratera, and the goal of our podcast is to share knowledge and insights into our beloved art form, drawing our content from a variety of different programming that we have going on here at Lincoln Center in New York City. One example of this programming is our Singers Studio series, in which editors from Opera News Magazine sit down in conversation with some of today's elite singers. In these conversations, singers discuss many things, from their career origins to future plans, and even their thoughts on the art form as a whole. In today's episode, we are very happy to present one such interview with renowned tenor Piotr Bekshawa. I hope you enjoy listening in as Mr. Bekshawa sits down with Opera News digital editor Adam Wasserman in the Singer's Studio. Thank you all very much for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you here. And Mr. Bechawa, thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you here. It's a pleasure for me. Um, I'm not sure how many of you have had the opportunity to make it across the street uh, to see our guest as the Duke in the Mets revival of Rigoletto. Uh, if you haven't, I would really encourage you to run and get tickets while you still can. Um, you're in for a great treat. And Piotr and uh, actually all of the cast give, give wonderful performances as, as Great as one is likely going to hear in New York this season. So run, don't walk if you haven't yet. Um, I'd love to start by talking about the Duke tonight. Um, are you having as much fun on stage performing this role as we are watching you perform it? Probably more. <laughs> uh, no, really, I'm not the Duke, uh, to be honest. Uh, I'm more inside like a Vetter, Lansky, and all so those people, those uh, characters that are dying on the stage and not walking away with beautiful lady, but uh, I'm singing Duke really maybe 11, 12 years already, and uh, I like it very much uh, because it's very challenging. And when I spoke with my colleagues about that, uh, I mean, those colleagues, they are in some age, uh, they don't really like it, Duke, because it's, uh, it's a very technical role. You have to think all the time about uh, how to come to the passaggio and how to get this high note or whatever, you know, how to find the, f the, the, the joy uh, with this role. And uh, it's a big challenge. Yeah. But I like it. I like challenge. So you made your Met debut in 2006 yes. singing the Duke in the Otto Schenck production. How has the role changed vocally since then for you? You know, I try not to change the basic of this role. Uh, because for me, when I prepare first time Duke, uh, it was really a great thing to work with somebody who really knows Rigoletto and uh, Verdi. It was uh, uh, Maurizio Arena, a pianist who conducted in Zurich my first two performances of Duke, and uh, then Maestro Nello Santi. And as you can imagine, you know, those people there, for me, when Santi says, I'm okay, like a Duke, after he conducted probably 
40, 50 tenors from the top last 60 years, uh, then I was really pleased and, and happy uh, to be accepted by a master like him. And uh, those basic uh, fundaments uh, of role probably will never change. It will change some approach, some, uh, I don't know, you think with different colleagues in different uh, mm, opera houses, uh, the size is also not really uh, um, unimportant. Uh, you can sing the Duke differently in Metropolitan Opera and in Zurich, because in Zurich there's 1,300 people and uh, Metropolitan almost 4,000. Uh, but basically, really not. I try to find the moments uh, in the Duke uh, a, a little bit of my future roles, like, uh, I don't know, Elami uh, Furapita, the scene uh, in the second act. I try to find some... Uh, tension what well, I will need maybe for later, uh, like uh, maybe I will sing Manrico or Radames. There are some colors or some uh, approach uh, vocally that not really belong to lyric repertory, it belongs also uh, mostly to the, to the more dramatic repertory. Now in this production your character is kind of clearly influenced by uh, the singers of the Rat Pack era, Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin. How closely did you look at the kind of the physicality of their performing style in preparing for this role? Well, I was really prepared uh, because I did the original production, and uh, we spoke with uh, with uh, Michael Myers a lot about that. And uh, I got the DVD, original DVD from Rat Pack, and uh, <coughs> saw all the shows from Las Vegas, and it's really fantastic. I can't make it actually like it was in the original because there were three. Yeah. I mean, those, all those jokes between uh, Dean Martin and Frank Sinatra and uh, Sammy Davis Jr., it's, you can't copy it, you know. It's, it's such a high level of, of, of entertainment. But we try a little bit uh, of it in contact with Borsa, Marullo, and me, uh, especially in first act, uh, because it's... Uh, it fits very well to the story, my, in my opinion. And uh, for me, actually, Duke is some combination of, of all three. And I try to be, you know, in one scene is coming more Dean Martin on the top, and another <laughs> scene is the more Sinatra. <laughs> and I think in the last scene is, is a, a lot of uh, uh, Sammy Davis Jr. <laughs> <laughs> except the skin, except the skin color. Yeah. <laughs> So um, you you opened the San Francisco opera season uh, yes. this season, singing um, Edgardo and Lucia opposite uh, um, Nadine Sierra, who last night made her fantastic Met debut, singing Gilda. Uh, even though you had you had never uh, performed with her in Rigoletto before, is it uh, helpful to have had that type of stage rapport with a performer? You know, there are, there are certainly singers uh, colleagues that you have the same level of understanding. And uh, with somebody, you can be 20 seasons on the stage, and you have still no connection. <laughs> it's a uh, it's couple of. It's not. It's really the most situation is the first one, that you have really a good, good connection. I am a pl team player, actually, on the stage. And uh, I was really, uh, I knew about Nadine before she arrived, because uh, it was actually a small secret uh, that Diana canceled. and. Uh, uh, you know, it's very unfortunately for her, uh, but you know, we have to find a solution, of course. And uh, when Nadine, Nadine is arrive, arrived uh, to, to rehearsal, you know, actually we was, 
after three days we were finished with rehearsals because she was very fast and uh, uh, did the production with Zurich already and also musically she prepared this uh, uh, role with Maestro Santi by the way and uh, I heard immediately this old vocal school uh, of, of Maestro Santi because you know you re recognize those things what, what you're re working about you know two three four years uh, by other singers, you know, and it's the same vocal style. And I was really um, happy that uh, she took over, and uh, we got a lot of fun. You know, she did a fantastic job in, in, in San Francisco, and and you know, we talk already in San Francisco about this production, and uh, it's today is easy because you know, uh, when somebody has in schedule to take over a production like like this Rigoletto, it's on DVD or you could see it on on, on TV. You know what you what what is uh, waiting for you. It's not not a m miracle. You know you go somewhere and no idea. I know. No, no. She knew exactly what what happens, uh, and uh, you can focus on really important things there. Yeah, one of the remarkable things um, that I saw in your performance last night was that you seemed to be just as fresh at the end of the evening as you were at the beginning. Like you could have just turned around and taken it from the top. How do you pace a role like the Duke where you have a you know a big aria in every act. It's a really tricky role because uh, my problem with Duke uh, is uh, it's the big breaks between. Yeah. <laughs> you know you have you have first act then you have uh, maybe fifteen minutes uh, uh, interruption and then after the big duet with Gilda you have almost half hour and you have to do something because you know to keep the tension of the voice uh, in the right place. Uh, you can't just lean down and and and, uh, and read the opera news, you know. That's, <laughs> that's uh, you could, but uh, uh, it's really uh, I I just work in between also with another uh, things, you know. I I study a little bit uh, another music and uh, but actually it is not so uh, big role that you can be exhausted. The problem is really that it's every scene is different. First scene, it's, it's maybe the easiest one, but uh, you have to be very good to warm up for, for, for Questa Quella and for this uh, uh, ensemble afterwards. But then you have the bel canto uh, duet with Gilda, and uh, the second act starts with La Mifura Pita. It's actually a different style of, 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 of singing. And then it's actually the Duca's act, uh, the last act, where you have La Donna Mobile Quartet, which is actually aria for the tenor with a accompaniment of three voices. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> it's not my opinion, it's the opinion of Maestro Santi. <laughs> and uh, you finish, you finish your, 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 your evening with the, with the Si Naturale, you know, with the, uh, that's, that's something, you know. Yeah. It's, it's a very nice line about this uh, uh, that you can compare it with a uh, singer in Rosenkavalier, mm -hmm. which is just seven, seven minutes. But it's the if you can make it, do it. But if you can't, leave it <laughs> because it's 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 just very difficult. Yeah, we were just um, talking about some of the details of your upcoming schedule, and I'm curious when you're planning a season. Are you looking to balance roles so that you know you have a long run <coughs> as a Duke, followed by a certain number of concert performances, followed by, say, a Verter, so that maybe by the end of the season you you feel healthy and 
You know, it's, it's just uh, the idea is not going over the red line. Mm -hmm. I mean, not to be, uh, not to think too much or too much uh, d very dramatic stuff. You know, that's, uh, uh, I know how many rigolettos I can sing in a week. Uh, and I should know exactly what I can't sing so many times in the week. You know, when I have, I mean, ballo is a little bit more difficult than, than, than uh, a rigoletto duke because the role is bigger and, uh, but uh, even that I did here, no, I don't know, it was just one day or two days between the performances. But after a run like that, you need a little bit uh, a rest, you know. It, you know, five days is sometimes enough, but uh, sometimes you have to plan also uh, a vacations between, you know. You see my color, I was just uh, <laughs> having some, some fun in, in a very warm place and uh, even when I took some music scores with me, you know, sitting on the beach, uh, uh, but I didn't song. I just shut my mouth and uh, <laughs> just studied the music. But uh, you have to be very careful with not to sing too much, not every day, really. Not, I'm not a pianist. I'm not a violinist, you know. After day of, of performance, even if you said I could start again, maybe I could. I never tried <laughs> uh, at the end of the performance. But uh, it is very hard work. And... Uh, you need rest yeah. between performances. So one of the highlights for you later this season is a, a role debut that you'll be making in Dresden. Yeah. Um, this will be your first Lohengrin. Mm -hmm. And uh, very interesting production. Uh, also features Anna Trebko wow. singing her first Wagner as Elsa. And conducting it is Christian Telemann. So that's a little bit of a hot ticket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, the story about this production is pretty long. Uh, I met with Christian Tillemann a couple of years ago, maybe 10 years ago. And uh, we didn't make too much uh, music together, but uh, three years, four years ago, we did an operetta concert in Dresden. It's on DVD, it's uh, the Sylvester concert. And uh, I sang a lot of Lehar, you know, everything of, on German. And uh, he started to talk with me about uh, Lohengrin. And, and, you know, I said first, I'm not so sure, you know, because uh, my experience with Wagner, they are really tricky. Uh, my only role from this composer was uh, Walter for the Vogelweide in Tannhäuser. It's a tiny, oh, maybe not tiny, it's a middle role. But uh, I saw the colleague singing Tannhäuser really dying in the middle <laughs> of the, <laughs> vocally, uh, in the middle of the third act. And this is something what gives a young singer, young tenor, a, a picture what you have to expect with this kind of role. Of course, when I sang the Walter von der Vogelweide in my dressing room, I tried to, to, to sing uh, uh, Tannhäuser, <laughs> and uh, uh, I remember that <laughs> very well. Uh, and uh, it is really a big challenge because I speak German much better than English, and. Uh, I know the difficulty of this language uh, with, in connection with music because uh, art songs, I don't know, you know, Schubert, Schumann, it's one thing, but in art song you don't have to create a sound to cover to the Wagner orchestra. And in Wagner you have to create the sound first and then create some consonants to be understandable and uh, it is a really a big challenge and uh, 
but I tried to work with this role already a couple of months and uh, it fits very good to, 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 to the voice and in San Francisco I, I was singing because uh, Edgardo in, in Lucia de Amor has also a big gap in the middle of the performance and I sang half of Lohengrin in the middle of <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it, that's I know exactly that fits very good uh, in the voice. Yeah, so you are um, incredibly emotive on stage. You you wear your heart on the sleeve, on your sleeve, in the best sense of the way. And uh, I'm curious as to how you intend to approach Lohengrin, who is a little bit of a, a cipher. He's a puzzle. It is. It's depend of the production, of course. Uh, it will be not a new production. This production in Dresden is already made a couple of years ago, and. Mm -hmm. uh, it's more or less normal. I mean, I don't have a live swan, but uh, uh, it's probably something in that direction. And uh, it gives me, as a, as a singer who tried to find your way to, 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 through this uh, role, um, more freedom. You know, it's, uh, uh, I hope we could really uh, we will uh, can we have uh, we will have a opportunity to concentrate more on music than on stage because it it is very pathetic it's very straight uh, you know some scenes it's in 15 minutes you no know, just ensemble and uh, nothing happens actually on the stage uh, I'm fine with that you know <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, for the first time I mean my fifth Lohengrin will be I will feel bored a little bit, but you know, for the first one, I'm fine with that. You know, semi-staging semi is also good for me, <laughs> and uh, you know, it's to to present some some true to, true feelings for the public, and this is some something very important. I saw many production from the last couple of years where we had no idea what what about this, you know, and uh, I mean, long green, and. Uh, it's maybe a difficulty for somebody who just started the role to find your own way because uh, uh, the fifth or sixth production could be crazy, but the first one should be like written, you know, like uh, when you take poem for the first time, it's better for the singer and uh, for everybody actually to, when you do what the Puccini wrote down in, in the score and, and then you can do what you want actually. Okay, so we're going to show a clip right now of what I think is probably your eighth or ninth bohem. Okay, yeah. That is definitely not a first-time bohem. Um, this is uh, a performance from the 2012 Salzburg Festival uh, in a staging by Damiano Michelietto. And um, this is a performance of Cagelita Menina. Okay. So let's take a look. <clears throat> Cosa faccio? 
So you went all the way to Salzburg just to get to Brooklyn, New York, right? Yeah. <laughs> it was Brooklyn, New York in the first, first uh, act, and uh, it was some of Paris uh, moments in the second and third. Uh, we like this production very much. It looks a bit silly, but, but it's, it's really, it's described really the, the, the feeling of the bohem, you know. It's, uh, it's just very poor and it's almost nothing and I'm of course I'm not a, not a, a writer I'm, I'm a cameraman you know and some writing some uh, how to say the, the, the documentary yeah documentary yeah. You know, and that's really very touchy uh, production yeah. well 
What was it like working with a director who had such a vastly different take on, on this opera? You know, you have to be, you have to find find the courage, uh, courage, courage to to talk with him. You know, his ideas. And Damiano has a millions of ideas, and uh, from these millions of ideas, uh, ninety nine percent was really crazy. And uh, <laughs> I said really no to many many things. Uh, I can give an example. You know, the the previous idea of him was that I'm really working with the live camera with the, and these pictures in lifetime they will uh, mm, project on the big screen on the stage idea is great but you know you can't sing <laughs> <laughs> when you have the camera like that and the public is there and you have to film it's completely crazy and and, and he understood it of course and uh, the result was really a compromise uh, from his ideas and our, you know, corrections <laughs> of these ideas. But uh, even, even, uh, you know, I don't want to go too much uh, in uh, um, uh, compromise to my singing because, you know, first I'm opera singer, and when the staging uh, cost me too much and I can't sing on my normal level then I never agree to this uh, staging because it's, uh, but some moments, uh, if you feel it's really important for the story, for the, for, for, for the concept of director, or he's talking so many times with me, then I'm really tired to say, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it is a moment in the duet, uh, the end of the scene, I have to run inside uh, um, uh, I don't know, it's some staircase. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm singing inside this staircase, not visible and almost nobody can hear me. This couple of uh, 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 line to the to, to guys, uh, uh, they are on, in Café Momus. And we have go upstairs and the, the duet happens on the, on the, in the first floor. It's, it was really, really difficult because, you know, I was running up and, uh, you know, <laughs> it's really very, very long uh, f phrases in this duet. And uh, I don't like to see that because I'm, I know I could sing it much better when I don't have this run up. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's, uh, the pictures are spectacular and that's fine. Yeah. Is, that, is, that, um, is that the nature of working with? opera directors today is it is it a negotiation at this point when you have luck yes yeah and you know, when some of those are really orthodox you know they really think the concept is the most important thing and there is uh, some problems with them because in my opinion concept is secondary it helps but it could be also very bad for the for the opera and mm -hmm. for the result because you know result you see the result and you hear the result and when the you have no idea what this is on the stage when you have the feeling we have no idea what we're playing, and, and that's really bad. Mm -hmm. So you've sung in a number of, uh, of the Mets live in HD transmissions at this point. Uh, there's Onegin, Rusalka, Yolanta, Lucia, Manal, uh, Rigoletto. Um, talk a little bit about that process. Do you change how you work when you know that uh, what you are singing and performing is going to be presented on a screen all over the world? Basically not. 
You mean I, we don't we don't change the the, the basic uh, structure of the of the, of the show, but uh, some things you have to change because uh, you don't have just one uh, direction what you have to sing. I mean public, uh, you have uh, to take the change uh, the the challenge to really sing to the cameras. Uh, it's pity for you because some of those performances are really 30% of, of, of our singing is to decide. Uh, but the result for camera is much better. Uh, I have always uh, uh, the, the, the DVD from the previous performance uh, before HD happens. And I, I watch at home and, and see the cameras. And we change some lights sometimes. Uh, because uh, life, it's not so good, but you can work with much darker colors for the TV than for, 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 for live performance. And it's, uh, but the changes are really, really, really uh, small. Mm -hmm. And you're not changing anything vocally? Not actually. Sometimes when I decide to, when I hear that microphone's taking too much voice, I think a little bit less. I don't have to project so into the hole, I'm, I'm singing 20% less of, uh, of my voice because microphones are very sensible uh, future, uh, how to say, yeah. future, yeah. Uh, that uh, they don't like too much voice. Uh, you know, when you are had the feeling, my wife struggling with me all the time, you know, oh, you know, this one, you, you sunk so, so, a little bit so, not really full, yeah, but because I'm singing this for microphones, and then we got the, the, the DVD. Oh, it's, you're right, it's, it's better, because some different colors uh, uh, are needed for microphones. Uh, I know this from recording, you know, when you really sing like on the stage, it's, uh, you feel too much pressure, too much uh, tension in the voice, and you have to reduce the tension a little bit uh, just to make a better, uh, um, you know, uh, result for, 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 for DVD productions. Yeah. One really exciting performance uh, that Met audience has got a chance to, to see you in from last season was Yolanta. Did you have any idea when you were preparing um, that role in that show that audiences would respond to an opera that they had maybe never even heard before that way? <laughs> yeah, honestly, yes. Really? Because I love this opera, and I did it many times already. So many times, not so many times like like uh, like like, Ony uh, like Onyegin or, or or Rigoletto, but maybe five productions. And uh, it, I know how fantastic this opera is, and uh, I was sure for American uh, public, it's very something special. Because in Germany, for example, uh, the sentimentality in in this opera is actually not really welcome. They think a, bit, a little bit in different way, but I was sure here it will be a big success, and uh, it's it's one of my favorite, you know. Anyway, because it's when I first studied it and I got the score, it was uh, 2001, I think, uh, and uh, you know I sung it, and every time when the tenor at the Vaudemont open the mouth, it's just beautiful music, you know. It's just uh, I was really shocked because mm -hmm. I know Tchaikovsky, I know, but there's a lot of uh, Parlandi also. But you know, Vaudemont, it's like like a you know 
I don't know, like, like in Las Vegas, <laughs> yeah. like Las Vegas show. <laughs> so when you're performing uh, with a colleague like Anna Natrebko, who you've sung with a lot at this point, um, is what the two of you do on stage entirely instinctual, or does a lot of that happen in the rehearsal room? Of course we are prepared. We, mm -hmm. we, the skeleton, the, the, the basic of, of every performance is very precise. Mm -hmm. uh, and Anna is very professional. But of course, in between, uh, we we react, we we play with each other. That's not uh, uh, never completely free, but it's also never, you know, very overcorrect mm -hmm. because uh, this is live music. It's live show. You know, we sometimes th happen things on the stage that nobody expects. You know, you do something extra, always in some. Uh, mm, basic uh, 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 skeleton of of of, of opera, mm -hmm. but you know it's mm, you have to be of course there and not there, <laughs> but uh, because lights and everything. But you know how you do this. It's it's very individual, and uh, this is the magic of opera. Actually, you know that's uh, you go. I know probably most of you saw the same opera many times, and. Of course, it's the same staging, but every performance is different. You know, even for me, you know, of course, I'm starting La Donna Mobile, and, and the director wants that I put my f uh, foot on on the small uh, chair, so things there, and I do it. But you know, the the how I present the the, the, the aria, or you know, the some small movements, they are completely free. It's uh, it's not really. Uh, 100% uh, staging. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Seeing how an audience <coughs> responds to a piece like uh, Iolanta that it doesn't know, but that is written by a composer who's part of the repertoire, why do you think it is that there's still a struggle to get pieces um, uh, by Polish composers like The Haunted Manor or King yeah, well, Roger on stage? We don't have so much uh, power. <laughs> uh, it's maybe, it's we. I try to, to, to really to talk with people uh, who can do something in this direction. And it's really difficult because uh, you can't make it happen in two years because it's completely unknown. Uh, mm, you know, Peter Gelb has sold uh, you know, 4,000 people you know, every performance. And uh, behind uh, a new production has to be a big strategy of marketing and you know, to present it before it happens uh, because you, know, you, you will not push 4,000 people eight times uh, uh, to see Haunted Manor. Mm -hmm. uh, when the people know it, it will be very easy to solve because it's fantastic music. And, uh, but it's a process, you know, we have to find the, the director, the conductor, uh, the interest of, 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 of uh, opera manager, the singers, and this whole, whole thing is very complicated. But uh, yeah, someday, someday it will happen. You know, it's really maybe we need some more uh, discussions about that. You know, uh, maybe we can present some 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 recordings. But it's it's really difficult today uh, to present unknown operas. They are not modern. They are just unknown uh, on the stage because every director tried to find a concept to present this opera. And if you find a concept for something unknown, 
it's, it's like study the first time Lohengrin and you have a lot of rats about, uh, around you. you know, it's, it's very hard to find the, the right line to explain mm -hmm. the story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so in January, you'll uh, be singing a new production of Werther in Paris. Mm -hmm. And then uh, this summer, there's a new Faust in Salzburg. Um, you've covered a lot of ground in the French repertoire. Mm -hmm. uh, we were just listening to uh, your French recital disc, Walking In. Are there any roles in the French repertoire that you haven't sung yet that you'd like to take on? Yes, definitely. At least one. Also, Don José would be. Uh, it's on my list and on the very top on my list. Mm -hmm. It will happen in Vienna in 2018 in January. Uh, in a very traditional, normal production. <laughs> <laughs> and then, let's see. I mean, uh, now I'm pretty open, but... Uh, there's already, I signed a contract two weeks ago, a week ago. Okay. You uh, heard it here first. first. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know that uh, very early on in your career, when you were in your 20s, Sene uh, Yarnak told you to back away from Puccini mm -hmm. uh, and sing Mozart. Um, what did that do for you in terms of your vocal health? I just, I just, it's given me this chance to survive. Really? Vocally. Really? Because... Uh, you know, I don't know really a uh, 20-some years old singer who really knows what to do with the voice. <laughs> uh, young singers sing instinctively, you know, they, better voice singing, better, less good voice, some problems, you know, but uh, basically that's had, that has nothing to do with technique. And uh, in the first years you have to learn how to use the voice right and uh, she saved my life and you know, vocally life because uh, I sang Puccini because I was a short tenor I was a short tenor because I sang too massive uh, I sang too massive then the result I sang Puccini <laughs> you know it's like a, you know a crazy circle and uh, it was easier for me to sing Cavaradossi than Il Mio Tesoro because Il Mio Tesoro is a very, very hard aria. <laughs> you have to know what to do with the voice. And, uh, uh, but I always uh, follow the idea that the short way is not, only the, not, not always the best one. You know? it's sometimes uh, you have to go around the corner to, to see the truth. And uh, we struggle a lot. We got, I got a master class with her, two weeks, and for the auditions, for the first presentation, I took, of course, Cavaradossi. And then she said, okay, <laughs> Mozart. And uh, two weeks, hard work. <laughs> I, I, I really don't, don't want to say I was a good Donatario at <laughs> the time. It wasn't good at all, but uh, I found the way was right, you know, the... Mm, the same thing I, I, I think I, I say to my to my students, you know, that you can may may you ha no, um, it's possible you have the potential for Puccini or heavy repertory, but in that time now you should keep it by side and sing something healthy for your voice, even when it's not so comfortable. You know, because comfort in my job is not really a good uh, word. You know, it's, 
for tenors, they shouldn't be comfortable. You know, it's like when you sit comfortable, it means it hurts your back. You know, when you sit like that, that's not comfortable, but it's very healthy. <laughs> it's, it's very easy explanation, you know. It's, uh, uh, and uh, step by step, I, of course, I, 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 I go for, for another repertory. I sang in my second uh, uh, rep uh, season already, uh, Hans in Feca uh, I mean, uh, uh, Hans in Bertrand Bright from Smetana. Mm. It's really almost a spin to row. Uh, but uh, it was very under control with another professor and uh, I survived it very well and uh, I could enjoy it after two, three years. <laughs> and uh, this is the process, you know, which uh, in my opinion, every singer has to come through. Some, somebody make it shorter, just you know, one year, two years, and somebody longer, like me. You mentioned um, that you're, you're teaching students now. Uh, what made you decide to take that on and to explore that area? It was always very interesting for me because, you know, I'm, I really follow the opinion that a singer who learned something in the years of career, and I can risk the, um, to say I have some knowledge about singing, about technique. You don't. You shouldn't keep it for yourself. You have to give it for for young singers. You know. Of course, the problem for me, I'm too busy. I can't make it real. I mean, because the part of of, of uh, teaching is also a very, it's a lot of responsibility also for the student, because uh, you form the young people a little bit. When I do master classes or work with uh, young artists program here uh, in the Metropolitan. It's just one, two, three, maybe five hours of, of, of coaching. But even that, it's uh, some, 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 something what Sanayurinats give me, you know, mm -hmm. just some right push in the right direction, you know. <coughs> Explain something what stays in between ears of, of, of the student and not really mm, change his life for, for, for now, but maybe in five years he remembers some, 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 some words and uh, will prevent him to, to do something wrong. Uh, because singing is actually first, I know, learning singing is to, to do something, to learn something. But the most important thing is to avoid the problems, to, 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 to reduce the, the, the mistakes of, of your choices, of your approach, of your kind of uh, how, the way how you sing. And that's uh, it's a very good balance between knowledge and to know what not to do. Mm -hmm. You were a, uh, a contract singer for a long period of time in Linz, mm -hmm. correct? What did that experience teach you? <laughs> I was five years in Linz. I mean, it's, uh, I don't know which one of my colleagues did this kind of experience. Yeah. Uh, it is really, it was a hard job because I, it was my first contract and I sung everything. My first uh, season was seven or eight new productions, uh, everything from Spoletta in, in Tosca through some prints in, 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 in uh, uh, Rimsky Korsakov opera, was, I was dead very soon. Um, <laughs> until uh, Werther in second se season. It was really a, an operetta, of course, uh, dialogues in German, you know, everything 
together. Mozart uh, with Puccini, Puccini, Rinuccio is not really Puccini, but it's, it's still uh, uh, some Italian uh, music. And uh, it was uh, pretty heavy. Uh, I mean, and in between, I got also every week uh, lessons with my professor, privately. <laughs> and uh, it was very good school. I mean, uh, we say in, 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 in German, was dich nicht umbringt, macht dich besser. I mean, when doesn't kill you, make you better. <laughs> make the progress, you know. And yeah. uh, I survived, and uh, it was a really, really big, uh, big challenge. Yeah. You've spoken a lot um, in interviews about the singers who have inspired you throughout your career, mm -hmm. the people who you love to listen to. Do you find yourself still listening to those same people, those voices? The same people. Really? That's the, that's the funny thing. Nothing changed, actually. 20 years, I discovered some more names. Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, you know, it was always the Wunderlich, uh, Gedda and, and Björling for me, Tito Skipa, all those people, they're really thinking in a very technical way, uh, in combination with some uh, exp expression. But the first thing was always uh, how to use the voice on a very healthy way. And uh, well, no, I, I love also very crazy people, you know, like, uh, like Franco Corelli, or, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, we, we, we could spend five hours here to talking about which the, the crazy people can give a young singer uh, as idea about technical singing because in my opinion Franco Corelli was one of the best technical singing uh, tenors in the past but show me uh, that other tenor 195 I don't know, six feet uh, uh, two inches you know with very athletic posture and this kind of you know uh, physical strength you know this, uh, many tried the same thing uh, to be like that, you know, and then, then no chance because it's like uh, it's it's very connected with 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 a lot of things, with physicality, with your temperament, with uh, many things, you know, and uh, there are no not two similar singers in the past. Uh, they really are the same, the same voice, the same, you know. It's it's really impossible. It's. Uh, to find the two identical singers. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's why it's so, so complicated to, to, to learn something from somebody. When, when I teach, I never show with a voice, or very rarely, because I'm completely different. And the student when I'm working is, is completely different, you know, and he has to create his own vocal world uh, to, to find uh, the voice and not copy mine, you know, that's because it it's just uh, doesn't make any sense. And the same thing is you know, listening to people from the past and trying to copy, I don't know, uh, the diminuendo of uh, Miguel Fleta, you know. Good luck, you know. <laughs> it's just impossible, you know, because he was completely different. And uh, um, some similarities are also, of course, there uh, in the color of the voice or, or you know, somebody's looking, you know, the same uh, physicality like, like, you know, I was, all, I was always t saying, uh, I'm the same size that Nikolai Gedda has the same Slavic uh, uh, bones, and, and, and he has a high D, I, and I'm short tenor. That something is wrong with me, <laughs> you know. And it was the, 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 the idea to do something, because I was, I'm doing something wrong. 
No, it, it is some similarity. Of course, I will never have this this kind of uh, uh, you know easy top like him, but. I have to work uh, to to find some way to go close to it, you know. Yeah. Do you still work with the teacher? No, in that moment, no. Mm -hmm. But I was 19 years uh, with one teacher, mm -hmm. and uh, now, you know, my wife traveling with me all the time, and she wasn't the same teacher. I mean, the same musical language, and then mm -hmm. we can really communicate. And she's always in my performances and rehearsals, yeah. and it <coughs> means when I think I was good. I go home and then I know <laughs> uh, how it should be. Yeah. Yeah. Now she's not a she. She chose musical today. It's a girl e evening, and uh, that's yeah. why I'm alone here. <laughs> In addition to uh, Lohengrin and uh, a role like Don Jose, is there a role that you haven't had a chance to do yet that you would like to? Actually, I'm very happy with this choice of roles. What I'm doing. I really, um, I'm not so mm, happy that I just did one production of uh, Manon. Oh. Uh, just this one here with Anna. It was just eight or nine performances and never again. Maybe it happens, it will happen, but uh, it's not in the schedule. Uh, that's really pity because I love this role and I love it, this production uh, from Le Grand Pays. And, uh, but actually, I'm really good uh, with my schedule you know it's uh, coming the roles are coming in the right time and uh, I was courage enough to say no to many things you know in my life and mm -hmm. uh, that's why I can stick still uh, uh, sing and that's uh, make me really really happy because uh, in Puccini direction I would love to sing I don't know Turandot maybe someday but mm, I could make it tomorrow but uh, this is a choice. You, 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 you make a choice to sing a new repertory. It means, in the same time, you have to forget some soft lyrical uh, uh, singing because it's not, you, you can't make it together. You, you don't, it's not possible to sing real Puccini, heavy Puccini, and the same thing, same moment, singing, I don't know, uh, Bel Canto, because it's completely different approach. You know, it's like, like driving car, you know, have to decide. I, you drive with a sport car or, or with a, uh, you know, SUV. You know, it's no no chance to combine. Uh, at least you want to be a bad SUV or horrible <laughs> sport car. I prefer, you know, high quality. Yeah. So your schedule is incredibly demanding. You're on the road, probably for what may, must be the full year. Yeah. Yeah. How do you five? How, five yeah. Except for five days or. No, no, I mean, the, the schedule is going to 2020, actually. Wow. Okay. So how do you decompress? How do you relax when you're not Oh, performing? there are many things, you know. I play golf, I go swim, I, I, I read a lot of books, and uh, I'm not thinking all the time about singing. Don't worry. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, we, we enjoy life, you know. That's, uh, it's really a problem that we, we have to work about to switch the brain away from singing, you know, to just, just switch it off. And just not to sing, to think, oh, to, uh, this, I'm singing already the second act from Lohengrin, and then my uh, left part of my brain singing Lucia because it's already there. <laughs> and then uh, the Dichterliebe text going uh, in the back of my head. I tr it's really hard to work to organize your thoughts uh, in, your, in your head. But if you 
make some some training with that it's it's possible also it's possible just do nothing two days you know just mm -hmm. really when I when I answer the phone you know somebody calls me yes <laughs> and not because I'm sick or whatever no just I just want to talk with anybody <laughs> <laughs> you know it's just uh, it's just normal you know not every day nine o'clock <clears throat> how, how, how is the voice today <laughs> do I have a high C who cares <laughs> So do you find um, athletic and sports helpful to you? When Golf. It, yeah. Most important sport of the world for singers. <laughs> the most fr frustrating sport in the world as well. But well, uh, yes, that's true. But, you know, it's, it's the same process of, 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 of thinking, of, of projection, of uh, movement than in, in singing, you know, in, in, in a singer world. And... Uh, uh, it's like opera, you know, you have to start the round and you have to finish the round like a, like a, like an opera evening, you know. You, you can't say after seventh hole, ah, today, <laughs> no, you have to finish it, you know, because you play with yourself, you and the ball, and you, you, you have to do this. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, you know, okay, after Parmi Vedder, I have, I don't want to sing Parmi, uh, <laughs> the, the second part of that, yeah. No, it's, it's some, some, some pressure, of course, but uh, it's uh, it's not a, not wonder that so many opera singers uh, playing golf because look, we spend half of our life in rooms with no windows, no fresh air, some sea level uh, of uh, <laughs> metropolitan. You know, it's fine, but you know you need something different. You go, you know, and golf is brilliant because you go outside. It's not too heavy physically because there are also sports art you know you can be really tired but mm, you know we have to take care about this don't go over the red line you know I have to be prepared uh, to, to be to be ready for singing but you know golf is just brilliant and uh, my wife plays golf too you know? but, uh, <laughs> it took s five years to bring her to golf but <laughs> it was tough Right. Well, I want to thank you very much for joining us this evening. It's been a real treat to speak with you. Thank you very thank much. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to episode 15 of the Metropolitan Opera Guild podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, we hope you will take a moment to leave a comment or a review in iTunes or consider donating to the continuation of the podcast at metguild.org podcast. And a big thank you to all of those out there who have already done so. Also, you should know that there are many more interviews like the one that we just heard, as well as brief Take 5 interviews, all available for your viewing pleasure at opernews.com. Next week's episode of the Met Opera Guild podcast will correspond with yet another Met Live in HD broadcast, so make sure you tune in to hear Dr. Jeffrey Langford speak about Puccini's final opera, Turandot, or Turandot, depending on which school of pronunciation you subscribe to, which will be presented in HD on Saturday, January 30th. Until then, I'm Naomi Baratera, your host, and thank you for listening.